Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Widmer, and our guest today did a monthly RodeoKids.com Zoom with us, and we liked the Zoom so much that we've turned it into a podcast. Hunter Ream is an extremely talented calf roper and individual. He is extremely humble. He has great faith and an awesome mindset and has so much to offer everybody. Uh, He shares his story as to how he got started and things that have happened along his way and his journey and how he's continued to overcome obstacles. And he answers a lot of questions at the end from the people who were in the Zoom. We do invite you to join us on our monthly RodeoKids.com Zoom. They are the last Tuesday of every month at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Those links are posted on the RodeoKids.com Facebook and Instagram pages, as well as the website under the podcast tab. So please join us on the next RodeoKids.com Zoom next Tuesday, May 25th at 6.30 p.m. Central. Now we'll let Hunter take it away. Where do you want me to start? Start at the beginning. How you got involved? In rodeo, um, so <clears throat> I grew up in Wyoming in a little town called Matitsi. It's uh, about 30 miles south of Cody. And to shorten it up, probably I, my folks had some land there and we had horses and I just, I grew up riding, um, but my family doesn't really have a background in rodeo at all until uh, they moved to Wyoming. And um, I grew up riding and playing sports and Matitsi is a really small town. Like I said, there's 300 people in the town. And so I played a lot of basketball and football and always uh, rode and, and competed as a, as a little kid. And then I got more into to sports like basketball uh, through middle school and, and then football in high school was a big deal. And, uh, and then rodeo, I, I picked back up kind of the end of middle school, did, you know, through high school. And then when I went to college at Cal Poly, um, I got back in the rodeo my sophomore year. And that's when I got a lot more serious about my calf roping. And um, I lived, I met Marty and Felicia Miller when I was a, uh, I believe a sophomore and junior in college. And I actually went and lived with them for a summer in Oklahoma. And uh, it was really, really warm and hot out there and humid. And I'd never been there before. So that was, uh, that was an interesting experience um, with the weather and everything like that. But I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot about horsemanship and training and you know learning how to feel a horse and um but they they gave me so many tools that i've used now and i've continued to kind of refine with other people that have helped me as well along the way um so like i said i finished college and then when i graduated from college uh, i had a job offer to go work at a really good job and i really wanted a rodeo and and they wouldn't the two wouldn't really balance very well to, to take it seriously so i turned down my job offer and uh started figuring out how to try to make ends meet and I uh, did some insurance adjusting and I've mowed lawns I've done kind of a little bit of everything I've done some modeling and stuff as well and just kind of whatever it takes but through all of that I kept uh, pushing and and trying to learn more to to rope competitively at, at a really high level and it's just a process you know so that's been four years now since I graduated college uh, I've lived with C.R. Bradley. I've stayed at Tyson Durfee's. I've stayed with Trevor Brazil a little bit. I've stayed with Tuff and Roy Cooper. Um, you know, I've tried to surround myself with the best of the best. And 
um, you know, just pick up where I can from everybody and, and make it a part of my blueprint. And so between when I had to leave to go work or do something to make money, I'd go do that. And when I got back, I'd, I'd, I'd get back after with the roping. So um, that's kind of the short version of it. Yeah. How did you get hooked up with the, you know, the places that you've lived, CR Bradley and Trevor Brazil? Like, how do you put yourself in that kind of position? It just takes time. Um, you know, when, when you live on the road, like my, my trailer's out here, right, right behind the camera here. And um, I live in that almost 24 seven and you know, rodeo is a small world and it's a, it's a big family, but you definitely have to be, you have to be willing to do what it takes and, and that you have to be willing to work and earn your spot somewhere. So anywhere I went, it was, you know, we could never afford to pay somebody to really teach me. So it was kind of a trade-off, like you can live here and you work and whatever it is, clean stalls, saddle, unsaddle horses, warm horses up, um, whatever the job may be, build fence. You know, my, my dad actually helped me get the connection with CR Bradley and, when I was at CRs is when I met uh, Tough and Trevor and then like Tyson, Tyson, I reached out to him on Instagram or Facebook, I think it was Facebook actually. And I just said, Hey, I'm in Weatherford, Texas. I'd love to meet you. Cause I knew he lived there. And sure enough, he responded and I met him that afternoon and I spent a little bit of time with him. And then that's been, that's been over the course of like six years. And um, I've just gotten to know him better. And <clears throat> you just try and take advantage of every opportunity you can to build a relationship or, you know, get to know somebody. So when you're in that situation, like, how do you muster up that courage to, to do that? I used to ask myself, well, what if I don't, you know, what's the, this is kind of a negative question, but like, what's the worst that could happen? You know, they could ignore you, not respond, or they could say no, or they could say, yeah, it'd be great to meet you, you know? So they just have to not be afraid of um, being turned down, you know, even if they don't, if they'd like to have you and they don't have room or something, a lot of guys are pretty straightforward um, and whether or not they can, they can accommodate you. I love that advice because the worst thing that can happen is they're going to say no. It's not going to set you back, but it might springboard you forward. So I definitely agree that just asking the questions and that's a fear of mine. It's something that I've had to overcome is asking people questions when the answer might be no, but the more that you do it, the better and more confident that you get at it. So if there's something that you want to go after, by all means, go after it. And if they say no, ask the next person and the next person. Eventually, somebody will say yes, and every single time you're going to learn something along the way. Now let's switch gears and talk about, um, we spoke earlier today about how you were involved in college rodeo and other sports as well. So what did that look like? Uh, I played football my freshman year. I wanted to, I wanted to take football as far as I could because I knew the timeline on it was was shorter than uh, rodeo. Mm -hmm. So it was just uh, God's timing that I got back into rodeo when I did and how I did. Okay. Did you? So you played sports all throughout high school? Yes. Yeah. I played uh, basketball up to my junior year, and then I played football all the way through. Yeah. How'd you balance all of that? Just be a hundred percent of whatever you're doing at the time, you know, like fall. Uh, I love football. I would say it was probably my number one thing. So I put a lot of time into that, put a lot more training in the weight room and, um, 
our, our high school had a quarterback coach my junior and senior year. So I spent a lot of time with him, but you know, in the fall I played football in the winter, I played basketball and in the spring I rodeoed and um, you know, I had to keep my horses in shape throughout all of that, but he just, there wasn't a whole lot of time for anything else besides, <clears throat> excuse me, school, sports and horses. So you didn't have a lot of that extra drama going on. Tried not to. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. So what are your goals right now? I know you've got some pretty big goals going on and we'll talk about that and how you're getting there. And then we'll go to your situation at the American and how you handled that. Yes. Yeah. So my two goals are uh, to be the best I can be. And it's vague, but, um, you know, be the best I can be as a roper and as a person and uh, to grow the sport of rodeo. And that's also kind of a vague, big goal, but you can do that through a lot of ways. Um, you know, I like to help kids and I want to mentor some people and, um, you know, some of the partnerships and things like that with companies moving forward now will be good opportunities to, to grow the sport and, um, you know, trying to help rodeos get better and bigger if I can at, at different times, just wherever the opportunity presents itself um, or I create it, you know, I just want to really help grow our industry and grow our fan base too. Yeah. What about your personal goals in the calf open? You're on a pretty big journey right now. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, every day, just, like I said, be the best I can be, which obviously the goal is be top 15 in the world, make the finals and have a shot at a title. Um, but that'll all, that'll all take care of itself. Uh, if I just put in, you know, when you, when you set goals, you can set a product goal, which is like a world title, um, but you have to work it back to a process and you'll end up working it back to what do you do every day to get better. And so you have to take care of yourself, um, you know, nutritionally and physically be in shape and work at your craft and roping or, you know, riding horses or whatever it is you do. And that's, I just try and keep, I try and keep it simple. I'm kind of a person that likes to overanalyze things at times and I try and work it back to a, what can I do right now that gets me better. I like it. Is there anything that you use, any systems that you have in place like journaling or keeping it in your text messages or anything like that to keep you on track from day to day? Not to be honest, uh, yeah. but I'll, at different times, you know, I'll write down, maybe it's a certain period in life. I'll, I'll take a moment and, you know, maybe reflect on where I am or where I want to go, or um, I've written down, you know, notes from practice and like what I'm trying to work on and what I'm going to try to accomplish. But every day I go to, or every time I get to practice, I, you know, usually when I'm saddling my horse or when I'm getting warmed up, I ask myself, you know, how am I going to get better today? What am I going to do? And so a lot, that's my most consistent way to get focused is to ask those questions that drive my focus that day. Um, and then I try and narrow it down to, you know, one or two things. Like if it's my horse, um, if I'm working on my horse, you know, what do I need to do to him today? Like, does he need to be brake weight on? Do I need to not rope? Do I need to log him? Do I need to work on my scoring? Whatever it may be, or do I need to just go make some runs and try and work on my timing and whatever it may be. And then, like I said, when I, when I have flank and tie, um, I usually try and focus on the flanking a little bit. And then mostly the, 
um, the groundwork, the stringing and tying. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love all that. So can you explain from start to finish how, like from the qualifying to the moment that it all went downhill? Can you share your story? Right. So the American is a very unique rodeo. It happens once a year. You have to um, compete at a American qualifier jackpot and you have to put up money for that spot to go to go win that spot yeah you put up your money and you're not guaranteed anything you actually have to go rope in the jackpot and win your position Oops. like I, I got my two positions at jackpots for a calf rope and jackpots and um, there's a lot of little formalities with that but basically once you get your positions then when the semifinals starts in Fort Worth, um, which is the beginning of March, um, I had two, you can get up to two positions. And so like in the calf rope, and there was 230 guys that had positions and everybody gets the rope two head and the top 24 come back on those two head. <clears throat> and that's at Northside at the Cowtown Coliseum is where they did this year anyway. I came back 13th with my position and or one of mine, I had two spots and I, I missed one. So anyway, I came back 13th. So now they take those 24 and then they do a buyback round, which is another kind of little qualifier within the semifinals. And they took two more guys out of that. <clears throat> so we had 26 that moved forward. And then those 26 rope another calf and the top 10 moved forward out of that. And then those, t- you bring your time with you. So like I brought a 9.1 second run with me to, to that top 10. The top 10 make another run. And those two times combined, they take the top six to AT&T Stadium. So that's a lot to take in. But basically, you're just trying to consistently make good runs. Once those six move on, they go to the Cowboys Stadium. And that's where they bring the top 10 in the world in from last year's standings so now you're back at 16 and then it's like a you know basketball tournament you go from 16 to 8 to 4 and um i made it back to the final four and was second out made a really good run actually made the best run of my life and god had a bigger plan and and uh time was disqualified my horse spooked and calf got up and whatnot but yeah. So after that, then, you know, that's kind of obviously what everybody saw. And it was just a moment, you know, when everybody goes through adversity in life. I mean, everybody's gone through a lot of adversity the last year with businesses and COVID and not being able to go to school and not probably able to go to any rodeos or have a lot of fun really outside of being at home. And I would say that that testing period is a lot more difficult than what happened to me. I mean, what happened to me was in an instant and it was, you know, an option for a or an opportunity for an extreme high to possibly an extreme low. Um, and I was disappointed for sure. And, and, you know, had the, the shed my tears that I needed to on Sunday, but you know, we've moved on and, and, uh, you know, I never lost anything. I never actually won the money, so I didn't lose anything. I still made some money out of the deal. And, uh, you know, I've had these kind of opportunities now. So there's a lot of really good things that came, from that moment and a lot of confidence for myself and my roping and my ability. And, and now, you know, hopefully opportunities to accomplish my goals in a better way than I could have by myself. Yeah. 
So for those of you guys who don't know how much, like he was roping for $1.1 million and had it for an instant and then it was gone. And he's sharing his story with all of you guys and he's not feeling sorry for himself. He's not throwing a fit. He didn't, I mean, he might've gone back to the trailer and been disappointed for a while. I mean, obviously it's a disappointment, but he didn't go and cry and blame anybody. He didn't go beat his horse. He didn't, you know, he still gave his horse credit for, it was a, a fluke deal, a bad situation. And he's been a really good sport about it. And he knows that God has a bigger plan. So that's something for you guys to all really learn that, even if you don't win that state title that you've been working for. And, you know, he's got a goal to make it to the NFR this year and win that big title. But have you heard him talk about that that much? No, he's talking about the process and how he's going to get there. And he knows that as long as he puts in the work, that it'll come when the timing is right and that God has a plan for him in the arena and out of the arena. So Always be working hard towards your goals and, and putting in that daily effort. And then once it gets to the actual title, just throwing it up and, and doing your very best that you can do on that day. And that's all you can do. After that, you're rolling the dice and, and praying that it works out one way or the other. Absolutely. Awesome. I know a lot of these kids, you know, they're, they're practicing hard and then they're going for long weekends and they've got multiple rodeos and, and clearly just through the American, let alone everything else that you're doing, it takes a lot of endurance and it's a lot of averages and staying focused and handling all the nerves. Like, how do you, how do you keep your mind mentally focused run after run after run? I think everybody does that in a different way. <clears throat> it's something that has taken a long time for me to figure out um but that's that's what's really cool that happened at the american as i grew a lot in that week because it was a week-long process it might have even been 10 days or so but um you know like when i'm on the road i like to listen to auto uh, audiobooks so i've listened to a lot of mental game books and like right now i have <clears throat> some that are more just stories um like wild at heart it's a really good christian book and uh, i listen to that or like i'll listen to music and um, or I talk on the phone a lot with, you know, friends and family and people and, um, you know, everybody has their different ways though. Some guys like to go golf and there's other things, but I usually either when I'm traveling, like that's what I do in the truck. Um, and then when I have time, I like to work out, rub the dummy right now, things have changed quite a bit. I'm, I'm pretty busy with quite a few different things, but a normal summer, uh, like when I'm on the road in the summertime. You go to the rodeos and you kind of go back to where you're staying and either practice or work or do whatever it is you have to do to, to get ready, but just pick and choose your times for things. So, you know, when it's time to get serious and get locked in and you're, you know, get a rope or compete in 10, 20, 30 minutes, however long you need, get locked in and focus on doing your job and then, you know, go have fun. So I remember like when I went to junior rodeos uh, back when I was, you know, in elementary, junior high, high school, it was always fun to go see all my friends and stuff because I had a lot of really good friends that I never got to see outside of rodeo. And so that was kind of the thing is like my, you know, my folks would tell me like, you know, uh, if I was up the next morning, like I could go have fun that night when we got there, but then I had to be, you know, in bed at a certain time and um, give myself the opportunity to, to be ready for the next day. And then, you know, it was time to be serious, do that. And then when I was done, you know, go have fun and do whatever it is you want to do. So stay balanced. 
It's got to be fun. Yes, you have to be focused, but you can't take it so serious either. You know, it's got to be enjoyable. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay, Sharon has a couple questions for you. Okay. She's also my mom. <laughs> I wanted to ask. <laughs> Hi, mom. Hi. <laughs> if you get nervous when you compete, and if you do, how do you settle yourself down? Yeah, not anymore. I can remember back when I used to, though, you get the adrenaline going, your heart gets pumping and like it's a short round at a jackpot or something. And I got the music playing and they're trying to get you amped up and, you know, they start talking about how much money it's going to pay out. And <clears throat> I would say, yes, I used to. But now I know there's a lot of different things I do now to put myself where I need to be to compete. But those moments and even like that run at the American, that, that was a, a really cool moment. And I wasn't nervous at all for that run. And it was because I was locked in mentally. And that's, there's a lot I could talk about with, you know, with how I get there, but everybody has their different way. And it's about learning the tools that you need to use, whether it's, you know, affirmations and statements, there's a breathing techniques you can use that actually lower your heart rate. Um, and, um, and then like, you know, that's what we work for. Like, you got to think about when you wake up and you go to practice or it's late at night and you go to practice or you drive 15 hours and you go to a rodeo and whatnot, you got to think about a little bit of all those times and all that energy and effort you put in. And then you're at that moment that you worked so hard for, like, you got to tell yourself this, I'm supposed to be here. Like, this is my time go enjoy it, you know, and then X, Y, Z, do your job kind of thing. Like I have, I have certain things that I tell myself. There was a, a so, friend of mine, I, we had a conversation at one point in time and it was talking about deserving to win and to go to the places. And, and when you guys have put in the work and like Hunter said, when you're driving to the rodeo, taking that time to reflect on all the practice that you've put in, in the last week or however long or your lifetime and the clinics that you've gone to and and even taking the time to listen to these Zooms and the podcasts and everything, like that's all part of becoming a champion. And once you've done those things, you can trust yourself because you know you've put in the work and you deserve to be there. When you don't, when you know that you haven't, then you're going to have those doubts and that's when you're going to get more nervous. So make sure that you are doing what it takes on your end and putting in the time and and you don't have to, you know, you still got to do your schoolwork, but like he said before, even um, knowing what you need to get done and knowing what your time is allotted to do that and then trusting yourself when you get to the rodeo. Absolutely. And figure out how to do it in your own way. You know, if you, if you show up and you kind of are like me, I'm a very observant person. So I notice how other people do things. If you're not sure what to do, watch the guys that are really good and maybe copy them but you'll ultimately find what in your gut feels right and trust your gut. It's, it's your, your gut is in, in my opinion, it's the Holy spirit in you, that deep down feeling that you have, you know, and trust that because it, it never really tries to lead you astray. It's usually a pretty, pretty honest uh, navigator. We talk about that a lot. Don't we mom? Trust your gut. <laughs> we do trust your gut. Just make your run, make that same run that you've been winning on before. Make that same run. Yeah. And with that, trust the things that aren't working for you. Even if somebody told you to do it, somebody that you trust or you believe, but you can say like, Hey, 
this just isn't working for me. It's okay for you to do something different just because everybody else does it and it works for them. It doesn't mean that it works for you. And that's all right if there's something that works better for you. So Hunter, can you share with us one of your, one of something that you use for words of affirmation? Well, like, you know, I said it on the interview at, uh, at the American, like see the start, rope the neck, flank and tie. That's, um, that would be a performance statement. And I actually took that from my buddy, Dane Kissick. Um, remember he, he and I talked a lot, he and I got to travel and we talked a lot about mentality and mindset. And when he told me that it was like, it was perfect. Like it's, it's how a performance statement is supposed to be. It's very succinct, very direct. And it tells my brain what to do. So like, I, I don't really say it too early, but like, I might say it right. Kind of, you know, a few times. And then before I ride in the box, like I tell myself, see the start. And I usually will say, excuse me, what the start is, but it just makes those little triggers, like go do this, 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 it can help in the moment. Like maybe a random noise happens or like there's something happens in the stands or something that could be distracting. And then you got to come right back in and lock in and you'd say, boom, 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 you know, mm -hmm. do this, this, this. So that's, that's one of my things. Yeah. One of mine is just the word now. And to me, the word now means being focused on what I'm doing right now, whether I'm backing in the box or I'm entering the arena for a barrel run now means hundred percent tunnel focus on this event right now in this moment. And that just, like he said, shuts down everything that's around me. And I'm bam, right there in that moment. So That's funny you say that. That's uh, Tyson Durfee's thing. He calls that like his lock-in word. Oh, really? And you got to have, you got to have that one word. And so for you, it's now for him, it's world champion. You know, that's interesting. You said that, cause that's another thing. And there's all kinds of little tools, you know, to the mindset. Yeah, you bet. Okay. Charlotte Kovar, you have a question. What's yeah. your fastest time? Well, I uh, would have been 7.26 seconds, but since it wasn't official, uh, my fastest after that was 7.9. Nice. That's getting it. Another question that we have is, do you play any music to get pumped up before you make a run? You know, I used to, um, but I've actually read that, that book that I read a lot, uh, Relentless, that guy Tim Grover. I remember I saw a post and I have my memory is kind of weird. Like I'll, I'll remember random things that I glance and see for a second. And I remember seeing a post that talked about if you have to use music to get pumped up, you're not really ready to compete, but I think it has its place. So like I have a playlist that I use when I work out and when I'm starting my warm up, if you know, the energy just doesn't feel right, um, I'll put these little earbuds in and I have that playlist and I'll start playing it and it, I don't try and get too amped, but I, I try to help it use me to, to kind of block everything out and get in the zone. But I, I try not to get too hyped up um, because it's not maintainable. You wanna really try and bring yourself to that point of being ready to compete, but not, not so much that it's like this fake energy that, that can make you go, uh, that can make you cause, it could cause more mistakes. Actually, there's kind of a, there's like a triangle or a pyramid of, of here's your optimal point. And if you go just past it, you actually are 
worse off than if you just remain you know, calm. So sorry, that's okay. a long answer, but I use <laughs> calm, it a little consistent bit. and focus. Okay. Jace question. Um, how many A courses do you have? Hi buddy. He wants to know how many ACE uh, courses he has, like your number one horses. Oh, one. I only have one. How many horses <laughs> I have? One you on have? The, I, I have one horse on the road with me, and I have one at home that's rehabbing from an injury. Okay. Um, so you only have one horse that's with you. So how do you practice a lot? Well, yeah, I mean, anytime I get a chance to ride something else, I, I try to for sure. Um, that's, you know, dependent on people's generosity and uh, ability to do that. But, um, you know, make it count. So like when I'm when I'm tuning on Gypsy, because he's kind of at that point of keeping him tuned for what I need him to do. And then obviously, like you said, I need to get my practice, too. So like back going back to my goals when I go to practice today like is today a day I wrote for me or do I wrote for gypsy um and a lot of times I might do both in a day you know maybe I'll go out and I'll make the first two runs for me and I'll just go make runs like oh, I'm at a rodeo okay I'm cinched up riding the box go make a, a, a kind of run I would at rodeo and then I'll come back and maybe I'll break away a couple or do whatever I need to do for for gypsy after that so just depends on the day but I dang sure don't get as much practice as I'd like to yeah, but quality over quantity. And that's your only option. That's what you do. Yes. Riley and Peyton Smith have a question for you. Do you have a favorite Bible verse? I do. It's uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. What does that mean to that you? That is my favorite Bible verse. Oh, live the golden rule, really. I mean, it says to treat others as more important than yourself, but... You know, the golden rule is do on to others as you would have them do on to you. So I just try and, uh, like I said, I'm observant, aware kind of person. So I just try and always take other people's perspective into account before my own. How do you train a horse, horse when it doesn't listen to you? How do you train a horse when it doesn't listen to you? Be patient. Did you hear that, Maverick? He be said really, be really, really patient. And listen to Cammie when she's helping or, you, right? <laughs> or come back the next day and try again. <laughs> okay, Sharon, you've got another question. Yeah, I was just wondering if you have traveling buddies now and who they are and um, why did you choose them or did they choose you? Yeah, so I predominantly traveled by myself, but I traveled with Dane Kissick. Um, I guess it would have been two years ago now. And Dane finished uh, top 30 in the world his last year, and then he retired. But I went with Dane because I knew he was a faith-based guy. He roped at a high level. Um, he had consistently been in the top 30 or 40 for several years. And, you know, we talked on the phone a few different times, and we got along. And so went with him, and it was also somebody I could learn from. So a lot of, a lot of that is kind of can you add value to them, and can they add value to you? And that was a good, a good match. Um, traveled with a kid, kid named Tyler Boxleitner. He's uh, younger than me, but he lives in, in Loveland, Colorado. And uh, he's become a really good friend. And so we've gone together to rodeos too. And it's kind of the same thing. We just get along. Um, it's a big, big part of it when you're on the road is being around people's personalities that match yours. And, um, you know, if, 
otherwise, like I said, I, I tend to go by myself just because I'm kind of weird and I have my own way of doing things. So, <laughs> yeah. So you've talked about faith quite a bit and obviously, um, that's played a big part in your life. Can you share more about where, where faith comes into play and, and how it impacts your roping and life in general? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I always was curious about Christianity and, and faith and, um, I would say I got more into it in college. One of my roommates was a really good, uh, really, really strong faith-based guy. His name's Samer. And uh, she and I had some conversations that um, got me more curious. And so we started going to church a little bit more in college. And then when I graduated from college, I actually went and lived with um, the pastor, Randy Bird. And that would be when, when things really changed a lot for me. And I had talked to Randy a lot through college. Um, he and I'd have phone calls every now and then. And he always just had, had a lot of scripture and a lot of things to um, share with me that, that made me more curious. And then when I got to live with him, it was like I, I could ask him questions all the time. And that's you know why I ended up being saved was the fall of 2017. Faith's always been a, a, a big part of my life. I wouldn't say I was always perfect in it by any means, but it's just amazing what it what it feels like, you know, when God's really active in your life and when you're, you know, living in his will and doing things like he wants you to. It's he can he can do some amazing things and he can also allow, you know, like what happened at the American. Um actually a lot of people referenced the book of Job about that and told me it in messages. And so I went went and read the book of Job a little bit and it was interesting in that basically in that story uh you know God God allowed Satan into Job's life for no particular reason other than to test him it wasn't that Job had made a mistake or done anything wrong but he allowed him to be tested and, and God does that to keep us close to him to test our faith and that's usually when we grow the most is when we're you know put up against something difficult awesome awesome yeah. Um, are you sponsored? I have, I have a few people that help out, but, um, oh, like Equerries has helped me kind of from the get go. My parents, mom, dad, <laughs> no, they're the biggest supporters. Um, and, um, Iconoclast Ward Hyde has, has helped me out kind of from the get go. And I feel really bad if I don't say somebody's name, I'm blanking right now, but you know, there's a few that, that help. And then, you know, right now I'm in some conversations with folks to move that, that are going to be some pretty cool opportunities. Um, never really had sponsors. Mama, how did you learn to rope? How did you learn to rope? Uh, I had a rope in my hand when I was, how old's Maverick? Maverick, how old are you? Three? So I probably picked up a rope when I was like six or seven, maybe at first, maybe eight. I'm not sure. Um, but at a young age and I just, I had one of those little play ropes or I had like an old team rope and I just carried around and, um, I'd rope the dummy. I actually roped like a head and dummy that's stuck in a bale of hay. And I would stand in front of it cause I was too short to throw it over the bale of hay. So I'd go, I'd go stand in front of it and rope the head that way. Um, I just always kind of had a rope in my hand and then um I learned probably from watching other people and like you know my parents would show me my dad would show me some stuff 
from what they were learning and team roping and um like when we go to like a we used to have a roping club in matitsi and a lot of a lot of folks were there and just probably picked up things here and there from people and then as i got older obviously i got more serious about it and had you know went to like little clinics or different opportunities with people to learn spent the time he put the time in that's what you guys are doing too. You're putting the time in right now. And I see a lot of your videos and all the practice drills that you're doing. And as long as you keep doing that and keep your faith and keep moving forward, then, then you'll have a chance to get to that same level. We talked a little bit about fitness and nutrition earlier today, and I'd like you just to share how important you think that is with this, especially with the younger kids as they're they're growing up and they're getting older and wanting to get to the next level, how that plays a part. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, try and try and eat as healthy as you can, uh, you know, good quality bread and fruit and, you know, peanut butter, peanut butter and jelly is kind of my go-to. Um, it's quick and easy and you get some good, good nutrition out of it. Um, and then as far as working out, I, I would say like, you know, with roping and riding and horses is balance. So like if you're learning to rope, um, and this is something Tyson's pretty big on too, is those BOSU balls. They're like a half ball that you can flip upside down and they rock. Um, you know, roping a dummy on a BOSU ball is really good, or even just getting on it and standing on it, maybe trying to stand with one leg in the center. But balance is really, really important because it teaches a lot of um, – different things to your, to your body, like neurologically, as well as, you know, mus uh, musculature. Um, and like myself right now, I've, I've done everything from heavy lifting and, and a lot of weights to yoga to, you know, everything in between. And now what I'm going to incorporate more is, is kind of a specified rehab program that helps with more of the balance and like, basically keeping your spine healthy. The big, I would say the number one thing is learn how to keep your back and body healthy. Um, whether it's like postural therapy or things like that, but just not nothing crazy, you know, TRX, like a TRX band is really, really good. Cause you can do body weight stuff at different angles. So is everybody sitting up straight right now? Strong and working on your posture. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so Riley and Peyton, Riley especially, he showed a video the other day. I don't know if I forwarded it to you or not when he was on the, like a yoga ball. I think that Riley, you should maybe challenge Hunter to do your drill. Can you explain to him what you do, Riley? So for one of my practice drills, I uh, kneel on the yoga ball and which I use to help with my balance for bull riding. And then I also will have a rope and I'll rope a calf dummy while I'm on it to help with my balance. I'll probably fall off, but I've tried to balance on a yoga ball before. It's not very easy. Yeah, he can like go in a full circle with his knees on top of his ball. It's amazing. Okay, Adrian, wow. you have a couple yeah, of questions. Um, what a usual practice prepared for rodeos. What does that usually consist of? When I practice to get ready for rodeos, is that what you said? Yes. Uh. <clears throat> So foundation and fundamental type stuff. Um, when I'm like really trying to, like when I was getting ready for the American, um, I was making sure my horse was 
tuned in the way I wanted him to be. So that's, like I said, it's a mixture of um, breakaway roping and like riding to get the cross and get on the left hip and get him straight and getting him to break like I want to, especially um, like a rodeo like Fort Worth, the box is super small. So I actually set up my box like the one at Cowtown because it's it's so unique. It's uh, 13, eight by eight foot three. So it's really, really small and tight. And uh, I did that to kind of get a feel for the start and how that was going to, you know, look and feel. And, and it's a little still it's a little different because you can't mimic everything. But um, I'll tune my horse. Like I said, if, I, if it's a really unique setup, I'll try and mimic the setup. And then I just try and work on my fundamentals. So flanking really correct, stringing, tying, um, you know, breathing, all that kind of stuff is what I focus. I don't really focus, you know, on like going super fast or doing any of that because when your foundation is correct, the speed will come. Such an important thing to remember. Okay, Lillian. I was wondering if you have ever done like T-roping or anything else. And if so, what really drew you to calf roping to go professionally that there? Well, love it, awesome question. So I did, I team roped like, um, you know, middle school, I did ribbon roping, calf roping, team roping. Um, and for a little while I did, you know, the junior bull riding or whatever version of that was at that point. Um, but predominantly I roped calves and team roped and I healed mostly. And I got more into calf roping because of the athleticism of it. And it's just you and your horse. So, um, anything goes wrong, it's pretty much your fault. Um, you know, even if your horse doesn't feel right, a lot of times that's, that's because of you. So, um, that's why I like calf roping. Plus, like I said, it's, it's athletic, it's intense. Um, and playing a lot of sports I always liked something where I had the opportunity to be athletic good answer okay Charlotte you have another question what's your favorite practice drill good question my favorite practice drill okay uh Tuff Cooper has an amazing drill that he'll do and it has to do with probably can't give it away because it's kind of a secret but it has to do with super high intensity because that's how tough practices. And um, it has to do with flanking and tying and getting low and learning how to dig. So like when, you know, like when a calf falls on their side and maybe they don't want to get up and you have to pick them up and get them back on their feet and then flank them again. There's a drill that we have that we do to work on that. And it's usually like two or three guys and you just go continuous. So it's really high intensity. Uh, you get tired. And then when you get tired, you have to learn how to breathe and control yourself and still do things correct. But that's my favorite drill. Good. When you team rode, were you good at it? Not as good as I am at calf roping. Did <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I wasn't, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't very consistent on the healing side. I could catch really when I caught it was pretty, but then I'd miss. We live in California. Did you like living in California in college? Yes, I loved it. Where do you guys live? Uh, Placerville. 
I had a friend that was from Placerville. That's up north, right? I had a I had a really good friend from up there. I'm pretty sure. Uh, gosh, what was her last name? And then she's married now, but her name was Maddie. Maddie Cilio, I think. She was from Placerville, I think, or up there in that area. Yes, I love California. I went to school in San Luis Obispo, and it was amazing. We have the Clark family. I didn't hear him. How much do you practice every day? Is there a certain time frame that you shoot for? Or? Yeah, it kind of depends. Um, if I'm at home, you know, and I have my own calves and my own setup and stuff, like I'll usually go down and plank and tie every day. Having, you know, when I only have one horse like that, I can only do so much on him. So I don't, I exercise him every day, but I might rope on him two times a week or three times a week. Just kind of depends what he needs, but I, I really don't try to overdo it on him. And then like when I'm on the road like this and I have to go to people's places to practice, then I get, I take advantage up to Bobby Lewis's place in Oklahoma. And he had like eight head of really fresh calves that had never been tied. And I probably, probably tied for two and a half hours by myself with, I had a little bit of help, but I just tied for two and a half hours, just had a lot of energy and went at it. That's awesome. Got to take advantage yeah, of can. Yeah, exactly. I would say though, if you have the ability to practice consistently, do a consistent amount every day. That's a, that's a lot better approach. Okay. We are winding down our time with Hunter. So let's see what he has for advice for each of you to go forward from this point. Do you have a favorite prayer you say before you wrote? Oh yeah. I remember that. That's awesome. Um, so we used to say it before every football game too. And that's what I thought of was the Lord's prayer. We certainly can never go wrong with the Lord's Prayer. And Lord's Prayer is, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for, from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So yeah. I guess Jace does have one more question and then we'll go on to our closing. How, how, how many ones are made? No, you said, you said, do you ride your saddle horn across the line? And how many ones are made? <laughs> uh, yes, I use, my, I use my saddle horn most of the time. Um, I don't really get as many swings off as most guys. So I use the horn to get across the line and uh, most of the time yeah. I take two swings. Sometimes I'll take one. Okay, great question, Jace. As we come to an end of this awesome Zoom and this podcast that we're so thankful for you joining us in, what are some last pieces of advice you have for everyone? Welcome to the road. Yeah, just, uh, I would say number one thing is, like you said, have, have fun. I mean, the reason we do all this is because we enjoy it. If, if you don't enjoy it, it at the end of the day I mean some days are worse than others but I love what I'm doing I love where I am I'm at I just showed up to some friends house and they have a stall for me it's beautiful beautiful here in Texas and um, so I would say if, if you're not enjoying it then maybe look into doing something else but the things that you can learn are amazing so just enjoy every step of it whether it's you know good or difficult high or low 
um, and learn learn every day from anybody and everybody that you can. I mean, some people you don't listen to as much, but um, you know you learn not to listen sometimes too. So just be a be a sponge and soak it all up. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, great message. And I'm just thankful that you were able to come and really appreciate uh, appreciate it. So thank you for that. Thank you guys very much. Yes. Good luck. And we hope to see you at the NFR this year. Yes, ma'am. Thank you all so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the RodeoKids.com podcast. If you found something that was valuable, enjoyed what you heard, and listened to the RodeoKids.com podcast on the regular, please subscribe on your favorite listening device, tell your friends about it, and share on social media. The more people know, the more people we get to impact, and we're doing this for you because we love this lifestyle. We love all of the things that it brings to life, and we want to see it grow and continue. So please help us support you by spreading the word. Good luck, God bless, and safe travels. RodeoKids.com is extremely excited to be headed to some trade shows this summer. We'll be headed to the All-American Youth Finals in Mississippi, the National Junior High School Finals Rodeo in Des Moines, Iowa, we're also going to the Arkansas State Horse Show, Equitana in Kentucky, and we're going to round out the year in Las Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. Our booth will be at the Mandalay Bay Trade Show and Exhibit Center, also known as the Roper Marketplace. Stop by and see us and mention that you have listened to the RodeoKids.com podcast to be registered to win a free gift certificate and gift package. We look forward to seeing you and meeting you down the road.